Well, good afternoon. Marty Stevens here filling in for Low Tide with Brad Slater. Hey, Brad, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, man? Good. We've got a couple rookies. We're backups to the backups to the backups. I think, is that how it goes today? Uh, yeah. What's lower than the AHL? <laughs> I don't know. East Coast League. There we yeah, are. Yeah, we're in the East Coast League filling in today for Low Tide. Lowdown with, is, is uh, of course, driven by Wolf GMC. Hurry, hurry in right now for GMC's Joy to Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every in new stock 2023 GMC and Buick. You can ask for details. Plus, you can get up to $4,000 in cash. And that, of course, is our good friends at Wolf Buick GMC. Say hi to Doug and Mary. I've never had an opportunity to meet Mary, but I've met Doug, so Mary must be a saint. But here we are. We're ready to go. We've got some guests lined up. Who are we going to have today? We're going to have the Sharks play-by-play man, Dan Rosanowski, on the show today. Tim Ellis is going to be on talking about some Camrose Kodiaks. We're going to touch on how the Canadians did down at the NFR in Vegas. And uh, he's also got a great low-tide story, so we're going to touch on that as well. And then we have Bag Milk in hour number two from Oilers Nation. We're going to talk some rumors. And we have Steve Jones on. He's going to talk about being a Oiler fan living in Toronto. And they just had that uh, survey come out uh, over the Christmas break about the most hated fan base by other fans. And the Leafs, of course, came in number one. So we're going to talk to Steve about, about that. Uh. Yeah. See, I've gone to a lot of Oiler games, and I don't think I've ever had a problem with Leaf fan. For some reason, it's always Canucks fan. <laughs> Canucks fan. Um, well, you know what? I have the list, yeah. and we'll go through the list when we have Steve and see who it is. But I think online, I think it's still Leaf fan. I don't know, man. I just, in person, Canucks fan. In person, Canucks fan. Even, even Flames fans, all right. But Canucks fan, something about it. I think it goes back to like my my hatred for like Brendan Morrow and the Sedin twins and Bertuzzi <laughs> and just all the pain that they caused Oiler fans in the 90s and you know 2000s I think that's what it stirs from I think that might be it too and I think on the Canucks fans part they've never won anything no at least the Leafs won something back you know who knows when but uh, poor Vancouver's got close a couple times, but they haven't won anything, so they have a lot more. Uh... And when they almost win something, they decide to burn their city down. <laughs> well, so, they have yeah. chips on their shoulder. They take it out on other fans and their own city. So, but yeah, we're going to talk about that. for the first time in, I don't know how long, at Christmas break, there's a Canadian team is the best team in the NHL, and that's the Canucks. So I that's guess we can't, you know, <laughs> we take can't too pile many shots on. at them. We can't pile on too much. My neighbor across the street is a huge Canucks fan, so he's been in pain the last few years. And, uh, yeah, he's over the moon. He can't. He doesn't want to talk about it because he doesn't believe it's true. I don't believe it's true. I guess the Oilers can't feel too bad about uh, losing to them twice at the beginning of the year. Maybe they crushed our confidence and we pumped them up so much they're still going at the Christmas break. Yeah, it just seems they're paying us back. But we got a couple more games against them this year, so we'll see how the Oilers do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Canucks can keep up that momentum, and we'll uh, we'll maybe talk about that throughout the day too. But we have a, a lot going on here. This is our first time doing the Lowdown show, so it's an honor to be here. I want to use the mic load, Lowdown uses, though, like low tide it talks. Like, he's so deep. A little deep. A little deep, yeah. You're taller than Low Tide, though. I don't know. Am I? Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Well, I guess I'll take that. You know he's listening right now. I, I don't think. Is. I think Low Tide has better things to do than listen for me <laughs> to me filling in for him. So let's hope he does anyway. So uh, we'll be here the next two days. We're going to have lots of fun, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll take some text messages, too. I know a little quiet on the text line today, just because everyone's out. If you're out on the roads right now, it's pretty quiet. The mall is busy, but uh, everything else is pretty quiet. But if you want to give us a text, you can do that, one 401 Zero is the text line. You can always shoot us a text too if you have any questions and we can talk about that. Rumors. We're going to be talking about rumors coming up too. That's a segment we have here in the second hour. So if you have any rumors that you've heard 
that you want us to touch on, uh, let us know and we can do that as well. Anything else, Brad, that we want to talk about before uh, before we go here? We have more time. I'm going I'm, a little fast, I think. I'm just happy that we have Oilers hockey back tonight. You know, I just I have memories of going to games on Boxing Day at, at Rexall Place and even Rogers Place. You know, the 8 o'clock start against the Flames. It's usually the ticket that most parents try and get their kids for Christmas. So you have a, a very young, energetic crowd. And it just, we didn't have NHL on the 27th. We had NHL on the 27th, but we didn't have it on the 26th, which was kind of weird this year. And uh, to be honest, I kind of missed it. Yeah, I think the Oilers had the biggest break. They were the first team yeah. to stop, and they're the last team to start. They've- and they're they're scattered all over. Interesting enough, uh, the players, I think it, the team obviously will book their flights, I'm guessing, but it's kind of their own responsibility after Christmas break to find their way down to San Jose. I know uh, play-by-play man Jack Michaels, he headed down uh, last night. Um, Evander Kane left Edmonton yesterday, oh, so okay. he went down. Uh, Connor was out in Ontario, so he flew from Ontario to San Jose yesterday. With his dog? So With did his, his dog, dog yeah. fly to San Jose? I think so. I don't know, because I saw the pictures on Instagram, I think, right? And he's, maybe the family's with him for the three California days. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Dog, gotta love California. Why not? Take the dog. Everyone's got to go run on the beach. Awesome. Good exercise. So, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think uh, they talked about this morning with Kevin and Speck that it's always better to be the road team coming out of that Christmas break because you you're in hockey mode. You're having a you're staying in a hotel. You're having a pregame skate. You're meeting with the guys. You're not just rolling in and the family's still in town and all that. So hopefully it helps because this is an important road trip for the Oilers. The big game, of course, is Saturday. We hope they're not going to overlook the game tonight and just think about that Kings game. But if they can get rolling, I think in the next eight games, they only have played two teams that are in the playoffs. So it's an important stretch again. We're at 500 right now and just got to keep going to, to get that wild card, wild card spot and go from there. And last night, the uh, Sharks had a game. They had an 8 o'clock start in Los Angeles. I believe they lost 5-1 after opening the game with their goal. They had a great first period last night. I watched a little bit of this game. And it just seems that they came out uh, gave everything they had at Los Angeles. I think Thomas Bordalo was able to get them one goal, and then it was just L.A. straight five goals, 5-1 final. It's kind of like they just ran out of steam. But how do you run out of steam when it's your first game after the Christmas break? So we have to hope that the <laughs> Oilers don't have the same situation tonight. But I, I, I see a different Oilers team tonight because this team, I believe, in the last three or four years in the second half of the season, they have like 90 wins and 30 losses or something like that. Those aren't the exact numbers. Don't text in and call me out on it. Those are rough numbers, but they're a crazy second-half team. So I re- I'm really excited to see if they can bring that energy and uh, kick off the second half and uh, get themselves back into a playoff position. Well, and they owe San Jose a little bit, too, because yeah. this is the team that they lost to, and then the coach got fired. This was yeah. the this was the game that got, got him fired, essentially. He played one more game after. They won in Seattle, but losing to the 32nd-place Sharks got Jay Woodcraft his uh, walking papers, so... You know, they owe them something. They can't take them too lightly because they've learned what happens if they do. I also wonder that, I know Jay was uh, well-liked in the room and the players really liked him. I wonder if there's a little extra juice in the tank tonight for the guys wanting to do this for Jay just because they know what the result was of the, I think they were 2-8-1 and the last time they went into San Jose like 50 days ago or something and they, they lost that game. And then, you know, ultimately later on, they beat, I think, Seattle and then they came back and they let Jay go. I wonder if there's a little juice in the tank that they want to, for Jay, you know? Yeah, I know he's put, not a part of the put some money on the board for Jay. <laughs> He'll send in an envelope. Who knows? Yeah. And also, very importantly, with our team right here, Jason Greger, 
he he's growing his hair because yep. of that game. So everyone lost that game. Jay Woodcroft, Jason Greger, us having to hang out with Jason Greger. I think he's growing a ponytail. I'm not sure what's happening. It'll yeah. be interesting after the Christmas break because he's off all week. We'll see how he how he looks. But uh, yeah, there's a lot riding on this game tonight. Then no, got a, lot, a lot of history. Definitely a lot riding on this game. And I know Dan's going to get us up to date on the Sharks lineup because there's a few changes that could happen for them. They've had Logan Couture out since uh, the beginning of the season. I don't think he's played a game this year. Um, so he's been skating, I think, for the last week or so. It'd be, so it'd be interesting to see if, if he's going to be in the lineup tonight as a fresh pair of legs for the Sharks. And who's going to start in goal for San Jose tonight? Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood had like 40 saves against the Oilers the last time, and they just couldn't seem to beat him. Um, he's battling a bit of a flu right now. So is he going to be well enough to go tonight? Or who will it be? They got three goalies down there, so hopefully Dan will be able to shed some insight yeah, on that. I think their uh, options are, uh, well, Blackwood, and every, everything we heard this morning, he was still ill, and then they could play the guy who played last night, or they have a raw rookie who's never played an NHL game. So there's a lot going on. So hopefully that helps the Oilers a bit. There's always those stories about there, how we do against goalies that never played in the NHL before, so maybe San Jose will take that under advisement and put him in net just to kind of rattle us a bit. But uh, it'll be a good game. Late start, though, 8.30. Correct? Well, that's a late one. 8.30 uh, in San Jose. So uh, that'll be good. And then, of course, they have a day off. And then uh, L.A., which will be a great test on Saturday night. So that'll be a Hockey Night Canada game. That'll be a late one, too. But it's Saturday, so we can handle that one. And that, that will be a huge, huge test for the Oilers. Yeah, it'll definitely be a huge test. And I was able to drum up some audio here so we can actually hear some comments from former Edmonton Oilers head coach Todd McClelland after the loss last Third, night. You did bench Fiala in the first period. What did you like about the way he responded? Uh, I thought it was a real good response. Um, but we shouldn't be put in that situation where we have to do that. And we've talked about it and talked about it. And um, Those players have to play with uh, risk in their game. And we understand that, especially a creative guy like Kev. But um, it's happening a little too often. And water under the bridge now. Um, we all learn. And I think he... Uh, you know, for not having played a few shifts, he actually woke our team up, which sometimes it works in our favor too. That's what I was gonna say. How much of that was also getting the team to that, of course, is Todd McClellan, who the Oilers play on Saturday, and he was the winning coach last night against San Jose. So we're going to get the San Jose thing. But, you know, interesting there, he talked about how their team started a little slow, and they're at home. So that was that. that's that theory right there. First game after Christmas at home, you're a little bit slow with the family and everything, all the Christmas hoopla still happening. So he got they got their team going. I think this morning we heard uh, with Kevin, they said the Sharks were playing actually really well, made one mistake, L.A. scored, they deflated, and we know what that's like here in oil country. And then uh, L.A piled on a couple quick ones and game over. So let's hear now from the, the Sharks head coach. David, tonight seemed like an unfortunate but perfect example of playing good hockey but not winning hockey. Yeah, I mean, it really was a tale of two games. I thought the first 25 minutes we played well. I thought we had some great chances. Uh, and then we got blitzed with two goals in what, five seconds or six seconds, whatever it was. And, you know, it's happened to us too often this year, and you could just feel it again. And then uh, it just got away from us, you know. I got we got demoralized, and our power play really hurt us too tonight. I mean, we had two chances <clears throat> uh, to kind of get on the board here, or at least gain some momentum with our power play at key times in the game. And if anything, we got demoralized from our power play, and you know, it's just uh, just unfortunate. Uh, what's the power play guy that do better? We've got to have way more of a work ethic. We got to have way more of an urgency. Um, we just uh, we're slow. We went through this before, 
and we've got to get back to playing much more urgency and efficiency with our passing, and we're just mentally and physically slow on our power play. And going back to the two goals given up in 13 seconds there, the team there seemed to be worse passes, passes that weren't there, guys were covered. I mean, we didn't do it in the first, you know, rarely did we do it in the first 25 minutes. And, you know, we try to get queued up high in the offensive zone. They go on a breakaway. And then, you know, the second one, we, it's a goalie D exchange and we don't execute it and ends up on the back of the net. So, you know, really disappointing. Um, a couple guys there, uh, Barabanov and Eklund. Barabanov guys moved down the line. Eklund didn't play a lot in the period. What do you need to see more from those guys? Well, Barbie had been sick, so Barbie's kind of finding his way through it. And really, Eki, it was just more of the penalties and really wasn't anything, you know. And uh, tonight, uh, uh, Koppel, uh, Koppel went. Uh, Klockwood, of course, is uh, still on um, this. Klockwood's going to be available tomorrow, do you know? Yeah, I have no idea. You, know, yeah. you don't know who your starters are Correct. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. All right, there you go. You heard from the head coach, the San Jose Sharks, saying right there at the very end, talking about his goalie. He has no idea if he'll be healthy enough. He's still sick uh, if he's going to be ready to go tonight. Also talking about some power play woes. They get on the power play. They lost all their momentum. So we'll watch for those kind of things tonight with uh, with the Oilers game, see if the Oilers maybe put uh, McDavid, Drysdale out there together to kill some penalties, try to, to get them if that's their weak spot right now. But you know what? Off the hop, Brad, I wanted to talk about our history a bit. I got yeah. uh, I'm a little nervous, jumped right into this thing. But uh, you worked at the old station before, right? Yeah. Yeah, I started with uh, 1260, uh, better known as Squeaky Brad, uh, from probably 2006 to 2010. And then I took my roots south, and I went and did the morning show with uh, Mike Richards on Sportsnet 960 in Calgary for uh, three amazing years with Mike. And then I came back here and uh, took my my workways to the railway. Oh, really? (laughs) I became a A hobo. You became a hobo. I uh, became a conductor slash engineer with uh, with CN and nice. then uh, found my way back here. Well, there you go. That is exciting. We're glad to have you back. And I That's do. Right. You're a producer, kind of behind the scenes more. You're yep. trying to find some of the big guests. Uh, for Gregor, I know you do that lots yep. and some of the other shows too, so much appreciated. Myself, I've been with uh, with Stingray for uh, quite a few years, I think over 30 years. My experience with Sports Talk Radio, listen to it all the time, but uh, I used to be the producer for John Short. So that was like 100 years ago. That was like in the early 90s. My CF's- first ever shift was working for John Short when he was live at Northlands Racetrack. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, uh, nine, nine to midnight. Yeah, I, we started that on CFCW. We uh, set him up there, and he was doing those shows at the racetrack. So we had early 90s, about maybe 93. We had the Oiler rights. So I always say it was the worst three years in the Oilers history. And uh, I was the producer for John. And then with Rod Phillips, I did some of the hockey games and stuff too. So a lot of fun back there. But back in the old days, like when John was doing his show, John was great, very supportive to me and everything. But we never spoke on the air. Like the producer just was quiet. I was behind glass. I pressed the buttons. Once in a while, I got to read the lottery numbers on the radio. There was no internet still. So we were reading lottery numbers on the air. That was kind of my job. But yeah, we'd get callers in and my job was to write the caller's name. And I saw Marty from Devon. And I'd tape that to the wall and I'd have them all taped in order because there was no texting either. It was all live callers. Yep. So I'm I'm dyslexic, notoriously bad speller. So the one time we used to use the red pen only for hotline, important guests. So my black pen died. So I said to John, I clicked the button in commercial. I said, John, do you mind if I start using the red pen? He goes, is it going to make you spell any better? <laughs> no, <laughs> it did not make me spell any better. But yeah, that was a lot of fun years with, with John and doing that. And then, uh, yeah, had a big lull and then happy to have you guys back. I know tomorrow we're going to talk about uh, important sports stories yeah. of the year. I think one of the biggest one here in Edmonton is having sports back on the radio. So I think it so was too. a quiet summer and here we are back. 
what was it like with Rod 93 to 94? Because uh, I did to get into radio here in Edmonton back in the day to go to Nate, you had to come up with a career investigation report. Right. Basically, you had to spill your guts on why you wanted to get into radio. Yeah. So I was like, I, I know I'm going to drive a piece of, you know, what car? I'm going to eat Blue Box craft dinner. I'm going to live at home, blah, 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 blah. But would you like to come and sit in with Rod for for a, out an away game? Oh, okay. And you can sit in the, in the studio and listen. Yeah. So I walked in. The producer that was sitting there, his name was Ken Cameron. Oh, he, Ken. Yeah. I worked with Kenny Cameron, CSCW. What a, what a beauty. <laughs> character. First thing he says to me, are you a, a religious man, Brad? And I was <laughs> like, no, not really. But why? I, I soon learned uh, really fast uh, why. And uh, Rod is very passionate and loves these Oilers. And uh, he was one of the inspirations and John. Uh, that got me into radio. And I used to call Jason Greger on, uh, I think it was CJCA, like way back in like 2003, 2004. I called into 1260 as like a 15, 16 year old. My voice was cracking and it still is. <laughs> so like, it's just a passion of mine. And I think you're right with, you know, this, the city needs sports radio. It has so many sports fans and there's so many options for them. And I think it's great. Yeah, it is. And then, yeah, working with Rod Morley, Morley Scott was the color man yeah, on yeah. CSW when we had Rod and Morley. And when I was opping, I was the backup guy at first. And the only thing Morley told me was when we go to commercial break, you fade down fast because yeah, if the Oilers were playing bad or the ref made a bad call, the Rod would say, I've been Edmonton and we'll be back. And I fade down and he'd just go off on yep. the refs. I don't even have to tell you <laughs> what happened but they were up four nothing in columbus and they lost the game oh that would have been ugly so yeah 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 so they had a lot of good stories and those guys were pioneers in the radio industry and look both you and i those were guys we worked with idols of ours and they paved the way and here we are today so were there any in the any in the music uh that were your idols anyone on the music side of things like Uh, like george strombolopoulos was one of the ones that when i was getting in like 99 2000 seeing him doing his thing okay he was uh one of the guys i liked no i didn't have too much i was kind of in the in it by then and doing my thing and working mostly at cscw i was in promotions and stuff doing that over there and then when we had the oiler rights it was like i got paid to go to oiler games it was a dream come true did you ever have an interaction with taylor swift uh, yeah, I was Taylor's personal driver one time, but okay. that's a whole other We're story. We're going to have to talk about that. That's a hook right <laughs> That there. was one day. One day I was Taylor's personal driver. So yeah, that is true. We're coming back to that. All right. Well, let's go to break and we'll be back with uh, play-by-play man for the San Jose Sharks, Dan Rosnowski. All right, we're back with Lowdown with Low Tide. Marty Stevens filling in with Brad Slater pushing the buttons. We're here doing our best for Low Tide. He's off for the next couple days. And right now we're going to do a very special guest, a guy I've known a long time. I've worked with him for a long time as well. He is a YR Radio alum. He's the voice of the Camrose Kodiak 1000 games called Over That Now. He also CSCW Dodge Rodeo reporter. We welcome Tim Ellis to the show. Tim, how are you today? I'm good, Marty. How about yourself? How's the first uh, 20 minutes gone? So- well, I've only changed my pants twice, so so far, so good. Our first guest, was <laughs> Dan Rosanowski, on from the Sharks, and uh, during the commercial break, he texted and said the media avails went long, and uh, could we bump him? So I'm like, oh my God, try to get a hold of Tim. So thanks for uh, bailing us out a couple minutes early. I'm filling in for Dan. That's that's pretty uh, that's pretty good company. I listen to him a lot on the on the radio when he calls the Sharks games. He's uh, he's one of the best. So you know, I'll pass that along to him. I will for sure. And one of the great yeah. things I love with the NHL app when you go on that app and you push on the game, you can listen to feeds from different markets. So it's a lot of fun. I've done that before, and it it is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I've caught Dan a lot over the years. Of course, he does the late games, right? So you're looking for something, and he pushes you on, and he's uh, he's a good one. The, the the best I liked, I was listening to, I think it was Florida Panthers, and the play-by-play guy is Tony Esposito, I believe, or the color guy, and he just kept calling everyone by their first name. Oh, Mark's got to work harder in the corner. 
He's got that puck, and he just would ramble. Then it was his birthday, so they brought a cake on in the middle of the broadcast. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, As uh, a play, col- oh, go ahead. Sorry, Tim. Uh, I was going to say some of those color guys are. Uh, well, you think the play-by-play guys are homers? Those color guys, they're uh, they are the definition of homers. That's for sure. Yeah, I never knew who he was talking about because he just kept calling everyone by their first names or their nicknames. I was like, I have no clue what's happening. But uh, yeah, I guess other fans do. Um, I want to talk to you as a play-by-play guy. You've done over a thousand games now. What's the count? Are you counting still, or have you given up counting? Actually, actually, I had given up, and then I went back the other day, and I said, well, I guess I better knock these down. So I, it's 1,010. 1,010. Oh, All right. 1,010. Yeah. As 1,010, you're still listening to play-by-play, guys. Do you listen just for the enjoyment of it, or are you still getting some ideas? Or, or And who are your influences when you, when you started this? Uh, well, both uh, today, listening for enjoyment and and listening for uh, for different things, different ways. I mean, there's you, you don't really steal anything, but it's kind of like uh, coaches uh, in in the AJHL and stuff like that. You you gather things from different guys and kind of put your spin on it. So I uh, I still do that. I, I mean, growing up, I mean, the the number one guy was uh, Danny Gallivan. Danny Gallivan for me. That uh, that tells you how old I am. <laughs> So, yeah, Google I mean, that. Google that, kids. Danny yeah, exactly. Gallivan. Yeah, Danny Gallivan. Yeah, I mean, I am. I'm a staunch Boston Bruins fan, as you know. So I do not like the Montreal Canadiens <laughs> at all. But the one good thing that Montreal has brought is, is Danny Gallivan. So he was the guy, and then of course uh, Rod Phillips. I mean. You know how good Rod was. We both worked with him back in the day, and I listened to him, I don't know how many times, and he was the guy uh, yeah. in, in that era. So th- those two, I think, would have to be uh, would have to be the two guys that uh, that I really, that really influenced me the most, I guess. Well, and Rod, this is a lot like you, because Rod, in the old days, a lot of those games weren't on TV. We would be maybe get a Wednesday night game on ITV, and the rest you were listening to Rod. So sometimes, you know, he'd be out there calling a game, you think that's the most exciting game in the world, and then... You know, it was boring, but he he made it sound exciting, and that's with you and the Kodiaks. Those games aren't televised. You're just strictly all radio. Uh, yeah, radio on the, on the road games. We, we do do the home games on uh, what they call Flow Hockey now. Oh, right, yes. And now it's Flow Hockey, but that that's a subscription-based service, so, I mean, it's, it's not available to everyone. I mean, it's it's mostly for, for parents uh, that are away. I mean, we've got some kids that are far from home, you know, some U.S. kids on there, so the, their parents will buy that subscription and watch, and, and maybe some of the diehard fans, but the the, the audience is, is not great on that, so we do a little bit of that, but it's, um, you know, we, we stream it at the same time audio, oh, okay. and uh, I'm uh, I, I'm a radio guy, so it's, uh, it, you know, I've listened to all those guys, Rod Phillips on the radio, Brian Hall in football back in the day, and you know, getting getting ready for bed for school and listen to him under the covers, and that's that's uh, that's the way it goes. I mean, I, I still love. I would still love. I, I I actually prefer listening to like a baseball game or a hockey game on the radio sometimes than I would watching it. It's just uh, it's just ingrained in me after a while. Nice, yeah. And there's some great guys out there too. Sometimes you find some, you're like, who oh, who is this guy? He's just super. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Hey, Tim, uh, I learned some tricks over the years from uh, a lot of play-by-play guys that I've spoken to or interviewed when it comes to sickness, colds, and losing your voice. Now, the one that, that got me was Peter Marr, the Hall of Fame voice of the Calgary Flames. He called the Sidney Crosby golden goal in 2010 on the radio. He was battling, like, pneumonia, a cold. He had everything, and he had no voice. He said that way back in the day, Foster Hewitt, Foster Hewitt told him to take shots of straight vinegar 
Oof. So he had a flask of vinegar, and it saved him that game, and he was able to call that goal. <laughs> That'll put have, hair on your chest, too. Do you have any any tricks or anything over the years that, that you've encountered health-wise that you've uh, you got some tricks of the trade? Well, I can honestly say I've never tried vinegar. I use that to uh, clean my coffee machine. I've never cleaned my throat <laughs> with it, but uh, that's something I'll put in my back pocket. Uh, it, Les McIntyre, the, uh, the renowned uh, chuck wagon uh, race announcer, who I marvel at, if he doesn't have the most powerful and best voice of anyone on this planet, I'll, I'll, I, he's got to be top five at least. He uses a concoction of uh, turnip turnip juice. He, he steams turnips and uh, puts that in along with the water. So he's done that for years, so that's got to work. I haven't tried that. I, my, my go-to is just the, usually just the lemon and honey. I have found some uh, some uh, honey cough drops. Diane Finstad, actually, who works in the CFR broadcast with us a couple of years ago when I was really uh, really down with, like you say, uh, no voice hardly on that final day. And she brought me some of these candies, honey honey for bees or something. I just got a package here the other day. Uh, and they, they really sued the throat for that time. But, uh, yeah, nothing in particular. Like I say, usually the, the hot lemon and honey is, is what I do, and uh, that, uh, that, that'll kind of get you through that game. And then it's, after that, it's just, it's just rest. <laughs> rest and stop talking. It's a good excuse yeah. when you're at home. I can't talk, kids. Honey, I can't talk. I'm saving my voice. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, profession, yeah. it's a professional thing. I'd love to chat, but I can't. Uh, speaking of not feeling good and being on your last legs, what is this, before we get into the season, the, what's it, the Kodiaks and the AJHL, I keep seeing on Twitter a memorial, Tim Ellis Memorial Broadcast Center. What is the story behind that, and what rink is that in? <laughs> that is in the RJ Lalonde Arena in Bonneville. In Bonneville, okay. Yes, and it was, uh, well, the plaque comes from a, a good friend of mine by the name of Rob Hunter, who was actually, he was the play-by-play voice of the Bonneville Pontiacs for many, many years. In fact, he was the guy uh, that kind of got me into starting to count my games. I hadn't done it really for for a number of years. And then he one day he uh, said, you know what? He said, uh, I, I passed 700 games, he said. And I said, oh, really? And so I went up to Bonneville, and actually I think our next game was going to be in Bonneville. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go through mine and figure out what I got. And I was really close behind him. I think I was at 600 and some. And so that that kind of started that. But I did the play-by-play for the World Junior A Challenge, which actually just finished in Truro, Nova Scotia. But Bonneville hosted it twice in 2016 and 2018. And what they did in that one corner of the arena before is you just basically sat in the stands. And, and you had a chair there, but sometimes you would tip over the cement. <laughs> and it, it was a tough place to call a game. So World Junior A Challenge was coming in. So what they did is they built a booth over there in that ah. corner. At the time, it was for the Hockey Canada people, so they could sit and take their stats. We did the broadcast for Hockey Canada right at Center Ice. They built a platform for us, and we, we did that at Center Ice. But So you had that booth, so that was going to be their new play-by-play booth for visiting AJHL broadcasters. And then Rob Hunter decided to, uh, because I'd been up there a couple of times, and Bonneville's kind of my second home through rodeo and everything, he said, well, I'm going to put this plaque on, but for whatever reason, he added memorial in there. <laughs> Every year I go up there and go in, I say I'm defying the odds again. Because yeah, I'm always like, there can't be two There can't be two Tim Ellis's in the world. Like, what is the story behind that? So that is a good one. It was your yeah. reason they got the booth, so they named it after you. Nice work. 
Exactly, yeah. Uh, the memorial part, well, one day it's going to come true, but hopefully not for a while. <laughs> not for a while. Not for a long while. Another 1,000 games at least we got in there. <laughs> got in the tank. Oh, Lord. Yeah, they'll, be, they'll be wheeling me in about 2,000 games. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, oxygen tank, and we'll just wheel you in. No problem. Now, the, the post-Christmas schedule starts Friday in the AJHL. What's, it, what's happening this year? The standings are tight. Uh, they're very tight. Uh, between, what, 5th and uh, 12th, it's like eight points uh, separating all those teams. And, and the top, you got about the top four, uh, the Brooks Bandits, number one again, as they have been for so many years, and they're loading up again for another run at a, at a four straight national championship. And, and in the bottom four, where the Kodiaks are involved in, and, and Fort McMurray, and actually the Kodiaks kick off their post-Christmas season in Fort McMurray tomorrow, I get a... Uh, what a five and a half hour bus ride tomorrow, Utah, up to Fort uh, McMurray for back to back games, and Drayton Valley and Old. So they're all clumped in that bottom part, looking for the the final couple of playoff spots. So it's very very interesting. And, and what they did this year is they went to a, a full interlock schedule. So instead of South Division teams playing each other six times and North Division six times, everybody plays each other four times. So it's uh, it seems to have led to some some greater parity in the league. I mean, it's it's also led to some uh, some tough scheduling and uh, some extra expense in terms of bus rides and hotel rooms and stuff like that. So there's there's a bunch of things to work out with this schedule. But the one thing it has done is is led to a very tight AJHL. So it's uh, anybody can pretty much beat anybody on any night, and it's uh, it's been fun. And I think these last couple of months of the season are going to be uh, pretty darn good. That's good. Now, what about the Kodiaks? How far, where are the Kodiaks sitting right now in the standings? Well, right now they're in 15th, which would be out of a playoff spot. Only two teams missed the playoffs. Before it was like one team in each division. Now they just, top two teams get a bye in the first round, bottom two miss the playoffs. So as of uh, today, they are a point out of the playoffs, one point behind Drayton Valley, but they're five back of Fort McMurray and they play them Friday and Saturday, back-to-back in Fort McMurray. So this is a... Yeah, it is, is tight. Huge, uh, yeah, this is a huge series they got tomorrow and, and Saturday up in Fort McMurray. So it's uh, it should be a fun couple of games to call, and hopefully they can win it and get on track. And uh, they, they made a trade for for a new goaltender here the other day. He's played very well, and I think they're just on the – you're always just waiting. I mean, it's just like any team you watch in the NHL or anything. You, they're, they're playing bad. They're down in the standings, but it's just like they're just – that close and they just right. need something good to happen and gain some momentum and so hopefully hopefully this uh, the new year will will bring them some pretty good luck have you seen all the teams this year so far uh yes i have uh we just went down to okotoks the other day we saw them for the first time so we get them three more times but yeah we've we've seen them all um and uh you know it it like I say, outside of Brooks, which the Kodiaks actually beat. I mean, they started the season with 4-0, and one of those wins was against the Bandits, but that was early. Uh, I mean, they, they're they kind of head and shoulders, I think, above everyone else. Sherwood Park's having a great season. They're number two, so hopefully that draws some uh, some people into the building as well. And, nice. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's pretty even. Lloyd Minster's doing much better this year. They're above 500. Uh, Sport McMurray, like I say, that that's a very tough place to play. They've had a tough start, too, so it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Have you uh, seen anybody out there, any hidden gems that might make it into the NHL? Any Mikhail McCars are out there in the in the, all the teams this year? You've seen everybody. Boy, I have not seen another Kale McCarr. What was he like? What was, what was Kale like in the AJHL? 
He dominates in the NHL. What was he like when he was there? Well, my story goes back to when he was a 15-year-old. So the Kodiaks played the Brooks Bandits in the playoffs that year. He got called up uh, as a 15-year-old affiliate, and I think he played probably, now I'm going strictly off memory for this, probably maybe 10 games uh, of the regular season and then the playoffs that year. And I think that was, was that 15, 16, maybe something like that. And so we had to play them. Now, I can't remember if it was the first round or second round. And he was a 15-year-old defenseman out there. But as soon as we saw him, it was like, okay, this kid is pretty much the best skater on the ice. <laughs> like, I, he, he didn't score a lot that playoffs. I mean, he was, he was only 15. But right. you could just tell then that he was the best. And then the next season when he was, uh, you know, fully into the league in the next two seasons, he was just... He, he was head and shoulders above everybody else, and I swear at times he just he, he took his foot off the gas pedal because you know I think he could have scored three or four every night and had five six assists if he wanted, but he was he was dishing the puck and he was you know not not making himself almost the star of the game and let yet you could tell he could have been and right. uh, yeah he was. Uh, he he was quite a quite a special talent then, and, and you just knew it. And you know these guys. You look at him and you say that like they're they're bound for the NHL. And as of right now, I I can't really pick anyone out that that I you know would be a surefire NHL. Or I mean, Kodiak used to send guys there regularly back uh, you know ten fifteen years ago. We haven't had anybody head there for quite some time, but a couple of young defensemen are heading to the NCAA and they might have a chance to. So it, it just depends. And, and a lot of these kids are late bloomers. I mean, you're, you know, you're talking 16, 17, 18 year old kids that, geez, they're not going anywhere. Colton Pareko, I think probably a very good example played for the Fort Memorial Oil Barons. He, he was a long gangly, tall <laughs> kid, didn't weigh, uh, you know, a buck 50 probably back then. And all of a sudden, boom, he's in the NHL, you know? And so, some of those are, are late bloomers as well. So it's, uh, but it, but it is fun when those kids making. You say, "Geez, I called that kid." Game. Yeah, that that would be very cool. Yeah, and I know yeah. Sean Brown is on in the afternoons with Jason Greger once a week, and he taught. And he, of course, he used to be the GM, I believe, in Drayton Valley. But he talked about it yeah. too. It's a league where sometimes it is a little bit slow developing. Guys aren't quite ready, so it's a great yeah. league for that. And there's still lots of talent there. Yeah, exactly, and and, and that's. You know, a kid that maybe doesn't have the talent. If, if you've got the talent, you're you might be headed to the CHL. You know, the Western Hockey League and that because that might be your fastest way to get to the NHL. But these kids, they come to the AJHL. They then look for that scholarship. They get that scholarship in the NCAA where they can develop another one, two, three, four years. Yeah, and, and then be ready to hit the NHL. They might be 24, 25 even, but they might make it that way. So it's uh, it's two different ways, and it used to be, you know, if you played in the AJHL, you likely weren't going to get drafted. Well, you know, Joe Colburn changed that in 2008. Cale McCarr really changed that a few years ago. Yeah. So now it's it's looked upon as a league where, yes, you can get drafted to the NHL. So it, it's changed quite a bit in, in that uh, perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And it's great local hockey. Like right here near Edmonton, you can go to Spruce Grove, you can go to Sherwood Park. Camrose isn't that far away, so there's lots around to see. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah, and if uh, if you haven't taken in a Crusaders game or a Kodiak's game or Saints game, yeah, for sure, get out there and uh, and support the team. That's for sure. Now, uh, in your other, are you wearing your other hat, cowboy hat over at CSCW, do our rodeo reports for us over there. Uh, the NFR just wrapped up before Christmas. How did the Canadians do down there this year? 
Well, they brought home about, uh, well, a little under 700,000 U.S. So, nice. Uh, what's that? Almost a million. So that's, uh, that's pretty good. Not Spread bad. between uh, 10 of them. Down from last year, they, they didn't quite make as much. They had, last year, I think we said nine. This year, we said 10. Uh, didn't quite win enough. But, uh, you know, like uh, Stephen Culling, his first year there, he won close to 100,000. Uh, Jared Parsonage won over 110,000. Last year, Jared, he's from Saskatchewan, Maple Creek Bull Rider. Last year he went. He didn't win a dime. Now they all get ten thousand dollars. As soon as you make the NFR, you you get a ten thousand dollar check, no matter what. Well, that's what he brought home last year, and this year he brings home one hundred and ten thousand. <laughs> so he uh, he improved quite a bit. He learned. He learned something. He did, yeah. And then it's 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 Zeke Thurston. I mean, he won his uh, second straight world championship. His fourth overall. He won almost quarter of a million dollars again. Uh, he had the he big did, ride too, right? Didn't he? Oh yeah, ninety-one point ride on Explosive Skies uh, down there. The the horse of the year from the Calgary Stampede, and that was. Uh, I mean, there was such a buzz that, that whole day leading up. As soon as I saw the draw here, I went, "Oh man, this is going to be good." <laughs> That's a perfect uh, match. <coughs> and how does that? People maybe not know that how it works, right? Because you you don't take your own horse if you're a saddleback rider or bareback. You're, there's a draw, and there's it's a random draw kind of thing, and they get their horse picked out, correct? Yeah, the judges go into the secretary's office, and they have a list of horses, and they draw the chip out of the thing, and, okay, that's yours. Uh, X9, they call Explosive Skies. That's the brand, and everybody wants X9. I mean, it's 95 and a half for Logan Hay, the world championship ride, a world record ride so far, and he's delivered a 94 to Ben Anderson, and just just an amazing horse. But, yeah, it was and, – and it's who you get, and, and that's why. I mean, we had, uh, like, Dawson Hay was down there, and Logan uh, – sorry, yeah. Uh, uh, green, Leighton Green, sorry, Ben Anderson, saddle bronc riders. These are these are world class saddle bronc riders. I mean, top fifteen in the world didn't do very well, but a lot of that can be attributed to the draw. It's just yeah, it's frustrating. It's got to be frustrating get, for those guys. It is which horse you get, yeah. how it matches up with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might be a great horse on paper, but it might not fit your style. Yeah, because now, you're being judged and the horse is being judged. Yep, yeah. half half the mark for the horse, half for the rider. And when it comes to a guy like Zeke Thurston, a lot of times it doesn't matter. He can take the the ones that aren't so good and make them great. But for most, it you need you need to to match up well. I remember uh, Jim Barry, who's now a pickup man, kind of a a bigger guy. Uh, Kyle Thompson, another one, a taller guy in the bronc riding. And it always seemed wherever I go, they draw the small horses. <laughs> and it was like, it just never fit those four guys. I, I think it was just a thing in my mind, but I'm sure it didn't happen all the time. But a lot of times it was like, okay, that just didn't fit. Yeah. And uh, so it just depends. But yeah, overall, very good uh, NFR for Canadians down there. I mean, the last couple of years have been, you know, we've sent the most since way back. And when I was going down there regularly back in the 90s every year, we'd go down there and there'd be, you know, maybe 8, 9, 10 or whatever. And now we're getting back to that stage again. Oh, good. So uh, Canada well represented on the world stage, especially in the bronc riding, that's for sure. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, before we let you go, I know you have a great low tide story. You told me this. You've known, you've known Al for a long time. And you guys were in a rotisserie baseball league. Is that how it all started? Like this was early on, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of speaking out of school. I mean, poor Al is not here to defend himself. That's how it works yeah. in radio. Just go ahead. It's fine. He's obviously had too much eggnog over the Christmas <laughs> season, and he's not back till New Year's or something. So, Okay, yeah. The, the, we call it the Edmonton Rotisserie League, and it's uh, it's a rotisserie baseball league, and it's, uh, it's a fairly... Uh, 
fairly high pressure league. I mean, you gotta you gotta keep track of, of a lot of players in the national. It's an NL only league, so a lot of players in the National League. You gotta keep tabs on it pretty much every day, and it's uh, it's a pretty good league. Well, now it's it's pretty easy because I mean, you just log on to your computer, you can get all the information you ever need about a player and from start to finish. But back when this league started, and I want to think I started about the early 90s, so I've probably been in this league 30 years now, maybe 31. Uh, so back in the early 90s, there there was no internet. There was, uh, I mean, you, you'd go buy a, a magazine at uh, Hub Cigar and White Avenue and uh, <laughs> use that to, to get the players' numbers for the, for the draft, and then you you check the newspaper box scores every morning. But you couldn't get information on players. I mean, you, you might be able to, to find it in a newspaper, but, but they don't, you know, they're, they're covering the Canadian teams back then, right? The Expos and Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. So they're not covering the other teams. Well, well, Al had to be, he had to be the most meticulous owner I think we had. First of all, he'd call most of the guys Sunday morning, usually early Sunday morning. I got a few calls, you know, around 8 a.m. or something on a Sunday. He wanted to talk this baseball. He wanted to talk the league. He wanted to talk trades. He made more trades in the history of that league <laughs> than, than anyone else even today. But he would actually phone and I remember one particular instance. He phoned the office trying to get the PR guy or anyone in the California Angels at that time office to tell him to update him on an injury of, of one of the players <laughs> that he knew if he should trade him or dump him or keep him. That's and, dedication right there. <laughs> That's Aldo. <laughs> And, and he would phone these people <laughs> to get this information. It was uh, it, it was quite fun, and uh, a lot of times we wish Al was still in the league. But uh, oh, that uh, is funny. Well, I think once the tree went down in the front yard, he had to quit the league. But yeah, I appreciate <laughs> that. Was a great story because it, yeah. people, you know, these youngsters they don't realize what went on without the internet. You had to actually do some legwork. You, know, you had to do a lot of work, and you were flying blind. I mean, <laughs> you would get a player and go. Well, I, I think he's good, but I have no idea. <laughs> he's got you a good name. Sounds baseball-y. Yeah. Yeah. You look at the box score, good, but the biggest thing was injuries. I mean, because if, if he's injured, you don't get any points for him. So you need to know. Now everybody's got an injury list. Oh, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. It's uh, there's been quite a few changes over the last thirty years, Marty. It, there has been, but you and I are yeah. still here, Tim, and I appreciate you jumping on a little early and joining us today. We covered hockey, we covered what we covered some uh, what rodeo, some rodeo, and, baseball. Yeah, fish. we got it all done. So I appreciate the time, Tim. Yeah, anything else you need to know, or are we good? No, I think I'm good. I think uh, Brad's telling me I have to go to break. So uh, oh, okay. yeah, we'll talk to you later. Enjoy that bus trip to Fort Mac tomorrow. We'll be thinking so about you. Sounds good, thank you. All right, thanks. That was Tim Ellis, the voice of the cameras, Kodiak, CSW Rotor Reporter. And that was In the Community, brought to you by United Sport and Cycle. Boxing Week sale on until January 1st, 10 to 60% off store-wide. Details at unitedsport.ca, and we'll be back after this. It is so funny. I helped write some of those splitters for Low Tide, and now here I am filling in for Low Tide. Marty Stevens in for Lowdown for Low Tide. He's a few days off, but he is listening, and he corrected us on our Tim Ellis story, Brad. Yeah, uh, quickly it was noted. It was the Cincinnati Reds, and the player was the great Willie Green. And Willie Low, Green. Low, Low Tide's going to be upset. I have a Willie Green autograph, Low Tide, so maybe we'll have to talk trade here. 
And you are listening to Lowdown with Low Tide, powered by Wolf GMC. Happy to have those folks on as sponsor. We're going to do our rumors right now. This is a rumor segment brought to you by Michener Allen Auctioneering. The next public timed automotive RV auction is on now. View on site and then bid online. More info at maauctions.com. All right, it's time for some rumors. Oh, we've moved Dan Rosanowski again. He's the coach, the San Jose Shark coach, must be chatty today. So we moved him to 120. Yep. So uh, let's talk some rumors here. What have you heard, Brad? See, the roster freeze is in place over Christmas, and uh, the lovely Elliot Friedman hasn't put out a 32 podcast, 32 thoughts yet. So there's not a lot out there. Uh, just the stuff that everyone knows, the Toronto Maple Leafs have been lo- looking at and talking to the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets in regards to Elvis Merlinkins. Uh, John Gibson's name has also been mentioned around the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the other one that kind of stood out for me today was uh, once, I think, 20, 30-goal score, Tyler Johnson of the Chicago Blackhawks who are going to be sellers. Uh, apparently, the Boston Bruins are interested in acquiring Tyler. I know they lost forward Milan Lucic earlier this year for reasons we don't want to talk about. But I think Tyler would be a great fit in Boston and uh, could give them some offensive scoring. There you go. And I know the Spangler Cup's going on now. You got some heat. Yeah, I did. Put out a tweet oh. on, tweet on, on Twitter. Yeah. I still call it Twitter. That's what yeah. we're going to call it. I but, took uh, some heat. I think it's over 90,000 interactions now. Yeah, I, I took some heat saying I wasn't a fan of the Spangler Cup and it wasn't one of the tournaments that I go out of my way to watch. And uh, people came at me from left, right, and center. Uh, it is a great <laughs> tournament. Uh, it's hockey, but there's just so much out there, right? I like professional wrestling, and not everyone likes professional wrestling. So to each their own. There you go. Exactly. Well, what about the Spangler Cup, though? Is there guys out there? I know someone in the market was floating uh, Jordy Ben, maybe, as a depth D yeah, for the Oilers. But who else is on that team? I know Quinville's on the team. It's weird right now. You you, you texted me last night, and another person uh, texted me, uh, Nikolai Habibulin signed. He's 50. <laughs> uh, Aaron Dell has got a shutout against players we've never heard of. The Oilers should sign him. Like, calm down. You know, we got a, a Olivier Rodriguez or Rodriguez in the, in the minors, yep. player of the week, four straight starts. The kid's playing unbelievable. We got guys in the organization. We got kids that are coming up. Just calm down. You know, Calvin Picard's given the, the GM here a little bit of time. Not a lot because I don't know if you know this, but I think the Oilers have eight or nine back-to-back games in the second half of the season, which is the most in the NHL. Um, so this is going to have to get rectified pretty quickly. Um, but they got a little bit of time. Yeah, and that Happy Bulin story was uh, age 50. He signed. He was a goalie coach in the KHL. Wasn't happy, obviously, with the goalies, so they signed him for one more year. So uh, Happy Bulin back in, he played for the Oilers back in 09 to 13. I didn't realize it was that long, but yeah, he played for the Oilers for a few years. Of course, he was drafted in 1992 by the Winnipeg Jets, and here he is. He's going on in Jaeger. I think Laddie Schmid this morning was talking about he's going to go see Yermer Jaeger play tonight. Oh, yeah? in, in the check, yeah, he's uh, he's playing there, so they're going to the game tonight. Now, I've got a rumor I want to start. Okay, I want to start the rumor. Ryan McLeod is going to bring his parents to every game because he <laughs> went on that Eastern road trip. Yeah, his mom, dad were at every game, and he played he played the best that he's played, I think, in a year and a half. We're going to mention her again, but it's kind of like the reverse Taylor Swift effect on the Kelsey's head. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you think so, hey? Just a little bit. There you go. Yeah, so uh, that's a rumor I want to start. I want uh, Ryan McLeod's parents to come to every game because that was his first back-to-back multi-point game of his career. So we'll keep it. He's a, a, If you look at the lines in practice tonight, uh, he is playing again or this morning. He's on the line with Drysaddle again. So it's uh, R&H, McDavid, Hyman, and then we got McLeod, Drysaddle, and Fogel as your top six. The last six games or so, Ryan McLeod's looked like a totally different player. He's looked like that player that Oiler fans fell in love with last season. 
And uh, it's great to see. And it's given, I think, Leon a little jump in his step, too. You've seen him taking the corners a little bit harder, driving the net a little bit more, and it's resulted in some goals for Leon. So hopefully those two together can wake up Evander Kane. Because I know after Connor Brown was, you know, sat that night out in the box, uh, Sam Gagne got banged up, so Connor had to come back in. Uh, there's a little bit of rumors, you know, rumors here going on that Evander Kane might be the next guy to find himself, you know, watching for a game. So well, he's we'll on the third happens. line today with Ryan and Yanmark. That's where Kane is. And a lot of people took his comments after that last game as being uh, a little grouchy about the situation, not getting much ice time. But he's done that a couple times this year. One thing with Evander Kane, I don't think he pulls any punches. If he's not happy or he thinks he's got limited ice time, he's going to tell you, you know, I got a lot done in my limited ice time. He's going to let us know. So that was rumors. I don't have any other rumors. You got any more rumors? What was the rumor you sent me the, the football? They think the Broncos are going to uh, bench... The quarterback the last two games of the season. Well, they are. It looks like uh, Sean Payton came out yesterday. Russell Wilson's days are done in in Denver. And they're going to play the backup this week, which basically means they're protecting Russell so he doesn't get hurt, which means they can release him in February or March. Uh, $39 million of $85 million dead weight money on the Broncos. They don't care. Their, their owner is the, the richest owner in the NFL, the heir to Walmart. So they'll take that hit, but... What a mess in Denver. <laughs> and there's a rumor that just came true. So there we go. Yeah. Yesterday it was a rumor. They confirmed it today. So he, Russell Wilson, will not be playing the rest of the season for the Denver Broncos. What a steal that was for Seattle. Hey, they got all those draft picks, you know, Drew Locke, whatever. But wow. Wow. Like it just, you never, you, and another thing I, I saw, like you never would see Sean Payton talk to Drew Brees. Like he talked to Russell on those, on the sidelines. Like I'm a Seahawk fan. I like Russell Wilson. I would take him back in Seattle. But you don't pull your quarterback aside like that. And I was listening to Pat McAfee this morning, and the, and the quick story that the reasoning behind he thought of Sean uh, losing it on Russell was that they were so close to scoring Denver on two consecutive plays that Sean should have challenged. So he thinks that Russell came to the sideline and asked him, why didn't you challenge those? And Sean just went off the deep end, and you saw on TV what happened. And now that's uh, Russell's out of uh, – and he even tweeted. Russell says, I think, something about – God is good. Let's go on to the next move here. So he's already looking ahead. So right. see what happens. Very interesting. All right. We're going to uh, wrap up this hour. We'll be back for hour two. We got bag milk. We're going to talk to, we're, I promise, we're going to talk to the play by play man of the San Jose Sharks. We got Steve Jones talking about being an Oiler fan in Toronto. All that coming up in hour two of the Lowdown with Low Tide with Marty Stevens and Brad Slayer.